It is the conclusion of the 2021-22 college football season. And this is first time in a long time. Me and Chris are hopping on the pod for NTE, CFP. I can't remember the rest of it. <laughs> FL, FL something. <laughs> Not the experts college football podcast for life. Uh, One, once a season. So, so far it's looking like um, Chris – I should let everyone know you're the resident Georgia boy, which technically we're both Georgia boys, but you're the one who pulls for UGA, a diehard, one who has uh, lived through the peaks and valleys, more valleys than peaks. But as we both predicted at the beginning of the season, we thought Georgia would be here. Did we think they would be playing Alabama? No. Did we think they would lose to Alabama in the SEC championship? No. Um, Chris actually had LSU in his college football playoff. Uh, so I want to give you a shout out for that, Chris. I, do you terrible. have anything to say for yourself for that terrible uh, take and prediction? <laughs> yeah, this has been a crazy season. That's all I've got to say. I think yeah, no more doubt. things have happened this season like than I never – I thought Harbaugh, Harbaugh was going to be out this season. Yeah. But yeah. here he is in the playoff, so – Shows what little I knew coming into this season. Yeah, I definitely had Ohio State in my playoff. Um, I did not have Michigan or Harbaugh doing what they've done this season. I've been telling Harbaugh to get out now for the past few years. And I feel like he doesn't even want to be there. He's just been doing it because he feels like he has to. It's like and an obligation he, for him. Exactly. And I think uh, – I mean, I think he's leaving. I think he's going to go to Chicago uh, to the Bears. I think he – did what he had to do, which was beat Ohio State and get into a playoff. So, you know, his tenure was a, a complete failure. But as the college football game is just completely changing with the NIL and transfer portal, I think Harbaugh's getting out. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. He's not going to be there much longer. No, no, he's not. Um, so, speaking of uh, our past predictions or preseason predictions – uh, we talked about Heisman uh, winners. I believe you had Matt Corral as your Heisman winner. I actually had JT Daniels. But, okay, uh, and that's that who I had, too. Yeah, I had JT as well, and we've yet to really see JT this year. Um, I mean, how many has he taken active snaps? Uh, he started <clears throat> three, four games. I believe, and then he he got hit with another injury. Ever yeah. since then, it's, he's been injured. I mean, it, it's sad because the dude's filled with talent, and I think yeah. uh, you know he could do okay in the next level. Um, I don't know if he'd be a franchise QB, but he has the arm talent to do it. So seeing a guy like that um, persistently battling injuries kind of sucks. So since JT has gone through the woes, uh, Stetson Bennett has once again stepped up to the plate. And I think that's where we'll start uh, in the SEC championship game. Stetson struggled mightily as uh, I, I mean, I kind of expected that um, my key going into the game for Alabama to beat Georgia was to make J, uh, make Stetson throw the ball, kind of keep him in the pocket, of course, apply pressure, but don't give him many outlets to scramble around, make him beat you with his arm. And Alabama did a really good job doing that. Um, they also took advantage of his height, which was something that I mentioned. Um, and one of our pods were like off air or something is that if our defensive linemen can just throw their hands up 
and uh, keep them rattled and not being able to, you know, shoot it over them, uh, we'd have a lot of success. But enough of me talking. I want to hear your breakdown of Stetson's performance in the SEC championship game and what does he have to do differently or what does the offensive coordinator, um, you know, the schemes have to do differently in order to be Alabama in the second go around. Yeah, so Stetson surprisingly actually threw for like a career number of yards in the SEC championship, which I guess when you're <clears throat> playing from behind and you have to throw it, kind of have no choice. And half, well, yeah, which he threw for three forty, I believe, uh, only two touchdowns, maybe one touchdown. I can't remember. Um, but he also had the two picks, which were game changers. One mm-hmm. of which was a pick six. Yeah, and uh, I still don't know, like. I still don't know what to think of this dude, honestly. Like, the guy I work with, he's a he's a big Stetson hater. And I was trying mm-hmm. to give Stetson the benefit of the doubt all season. And then the SEC championship came around. I'm like, okay, get this clown off of the field. But <clears throat> watching the way he played against Michigan, like, watching them play against Michigan, the offense was a totally different offense than what mm-hmm. we've seen all season. At least I have. But the key for Stetson is you have to move that pocket, like, He's a pocket QB when it's when he has the time or he yeah. has the ability to drop back his full seven yards. I think um, uh, the best definition of him would be an improviser, not yes. a pocket passer, not a scrambler, um, not a field general. He's an improviser. Yeah, he's a playmaker. That's why well, I don't even know if you can call him that really. He makes plays but, with his feet. That I mean, he makes good plays. He's a good feet. athlete. He's a good athlete, and he makes some like really good throws too at times that impress you. But uh, you got to yeah. see it consistently. Yeah, but I think two another issue that Stetson dealt with uh, against Alabama is the whole season up until the SEC championship, Georgia had only given up three sacks all season, mm-hmm. and then the offensive line just completely shit the bed and gave up three sacks in the SEC championship. So that was a big factor too, which once you put pressure on Stetson and take away his receivers, that's, you're not going to win that way if you're Georgia. Yeah. So uh, speaking of receivers though, go ahead and inform me who, who are we going to see different in that receiving core that we didn't see in the SEC championship game? George Pickens will definitely be a bigger factor. I think he, he only had one catch in the SEC He wasn't 100%, though, correct? And that was his that first was his, game back. Yeah. No, well, it was his second game back. Oh, okay. I think it was his second game back because he came in for, like, one play before against Tech. Okay. So, do you hear that? No, I don't. Do you? Okay, I got a video of someone playing in the background. I'm sorry. Oh, you're good. <laughs> I don't hear anything. Okay. I'll keep it rolling then. But, yeah, so we're going to have Pickens back 100% healthy. Hopefully, uh, Kyrus Jackson is 100% healthy. Mm -hmm. He's just been kind of returning punts all season. Hasn't really made many plays. Where's Burton been at? Burton's been quiet this year. Um, He did have a big play against uh, Michigan. He stepped up in that game. But he's just been – he's been quiet. We've been hitting McConkey and Bowers. Yeah, yeah. Two old white boys on the outside. Yeah, Brock Bowers coming in, and he was the number one tight end in the nation, correct? He was. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, I remember when he picked Georgia. That was a huge sign for you guys. Um, 
he's impressed. I mean, he's impressed me a lot. Uh, he's definitely going to move on to the next level and be very successful on Sundays. Uh, and so I expect him to be a key piece there. Um, I, I, I just want to ask, cause I don't watch a lot of Georgia football. Um, Darnell Washington. Is that the correct name? Yeah. Okay. That's it. Why don't y'all use that guy more? Cause that. He's a freaking mountain man. I feel like you can move him around and utilize him in different ways. <laughs> I don't, I have no answer for that at all. And the only time I've seen him use, sometimes we'll hit him with a little stream straight down the, the numbers. And yeah, the other 97% of the time he's out there blocking. So I don't know yeah. exactly what, I don't know. Maybe it's Stetson's too short. Like he's not legally allowed to throw to someone who's seven foot tall. Like there's too much of a difference <laughs> in height. So they tell him, Hey, you can't do that. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but something's got to give. Cause you have, you cannot guard seven foot. A linebacker cannot guard yeah. seven foot. So I don't know what we're yeah. doing. Not passing to him almost every play. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm Kirby smart, I'm sticking Washington out there uh, kind of on the interior, you know, put Brock on the other side of him on the outside. And I'm using him as a chip and stick guy, you know, uh, chip, a, chip one of the uh, pass rushers and just put him out in the sticks. And then if Stetson doesn't have anything, he can just throw it up to that big seven footer. That's right there. Uh, exactly. I don't think you're gonna have much problems. Yeah, no, they do have so, a, uh, uh, they do do a thing where they have a three tight end set. They do a tight trips, tight end receiving core, I guess. And Darnell and Brock are out there. Yeah. And uh, I forget who else is out there. But they generally run like a little trio combo with those three. Like one hit sticks, one hits spade, and one hits a slant. Which nine times out of ten, they're throwing it to Powers. But that is an interesting thing to watch out for. Yeah, so uh, what do you think? Just give me, like, your one main key for the Georgia offense. Uh, what do they need to do to be Alabama's defense? What would you do if you're if you're Kirby Smart or who's y'all's OC? What's his name? Munkin. Todd Munkin. Oh, y'all still got Munkin? Okay. Yeah. What would you be telling Munkin right now? If you got one phone call and you could just tell him one thing, what would you tell him to do? Um, if I had to tell him one thing, I'd tell him, like, Obviously, you have to establish the run, but you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta establish the play action too. Like you yeah. can't you can't sit back and shotgun and expect to throw it forty times and have mm-hmm. studs a minute when you the game with a shoulder. So you need to yeah. establish the run, but don't run it. Don't come out and run it for two drives in a row and wind up punting it. Like don't run it three or four plays in a row. Like hit them with a first down slant, pick you up three or four. Run the ball up the middle twice, then it's third down two, mm-hmm. third down and three, and then decide what you're going to do from there. Don't be so predictable. Can I give a prediction of what I think uh, how y'all are going to run y'all's offense? Go ahead. I think it's going to be very, very similar. If I'm Kirby, if I'm Munkin, I'm running the same scheme as I ran against Alabama when I had Jake Fromm uh, in the previous national championship game, the last time we faced each other. It was come out and shotgun and just kill you with slants because, uh, I mean, the slant is just such a hard route to uh, defend in itself anyways. And Alabama, we struggle. I mean, traditionally, uh, we have struggled in man-on-man uh, coverage in our secondary. We're a lot better in the zone. 
So if you can just exploit uh, some of those matchups, especially with those bigger receivers y'all have, and we're a little hurt in the secondary, uh, we're going to be missing a few guys, uh, whether it's due to a targeting penalty or injury. So um, that's how I would attack y'all. Uh, I mean, that's how I would be if I were y'all attacking Alabama. Um, can you sustain slants for a full four quarters? No, but that should be able to open up your running game, uh, your play action, and definitely your uh, deep game too. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So uh, kind of talking about um, – well, I guess we should transition from Georgia's uh, offense and – how about, let me say this. What do you think about, do you think JT should have been played in that SEC, SEC championship game? I mean, I get it from Kirby's, like, from his side of things. Like, what message does it send to not only, like, an individual, Stetson, but the whole team, like, okay, you've done all this work. Like, you've had an incredible season for us, and then we're just going to pull you because – we think someone's better. Like I understand that, but you think, Nick, you think Nick Saban did that when he pulled out Jalen Hurts, his two-year no. starter, all rookie <laughs> QB? Did he care? No, but that's a different national championship game. <laughs> that's the difference there, though. And yeah. I'm not, I don't know if like you can never get a straight answer who's injured on the Georgia sideline from any of the Georgia coaching staff. Yeah, I don't know. It's like that everywhere else in the nation. But Georgia is one of the hardest schools to understand why someone isn't playing when they're not injured. Well, that like, that is directly a uh, page out of Nick Saban's um, playbook, his grand scheme playbook. Uh, up until like I would say it started, the dichotomy started changing when Kirby left. And I'm not saying Kirby's responsible for it. I think. Uh, Nick just himself, um, along with maybe Dr. Matt Rea coming in and Jeff Allen, maybe they pushed him to be more transparent. But Alabama was the same exact thing. Uh, uh, trying to get an injury report out of them was trying to get um, codes from the Soviet Union or something. Uh, it, it was ridiculous. And so we would never know either. We would just know, hey, somebody's out. We wouldn't know if they're hurt, if it was disciplined, how long they would be out. Uh, so, yeah, I think he's just taking a uh, – you know, a page out of Nick Saban's book, but I don't even see Nick do that anymore. Um, he's been more transparent in the past few years of, uh, you know, their players being hurt. But yeah. I, so I totally understand your frustration with that. But at the same time, Kirby's loyalty is what is, I think has cost us yeah. a few games, yeah. possibly a few natties. I don't know. Well, but, yeah, I mean, a lot of people still question, um, you know, the decision to stick with Jake Fromm and letting Justin Fields walk. Um, I mean, a bunch of different stuff like that. Yeah, I understand that one a lot better than I understand the Stetson J uh, JT Daniels stuff. Because, I mean, yeah. Fromm literally did just lead you to a natty. He almost won you a natty minus uh, a second overtime. So, I mean, I understand that one. The kid already had taken you there, so you might as well ride with him. And he wasn't yeah, a good and quarterback. Like, well, I, I think so, too. You may actually – so I, I thought Kirby was actually – I thought he was insane for not throwing JT out there, uh, at least in the last few possessions. Uh, just at least, I don't know, give him a different look and maybe see what he could work with, uh, you know, going on into the playoffs. But reflecting on it, I think Kirby made the right decision, and I think he's still making the right decision, keeping Stetson in there, and that's because of Stetson's feet. Uh, I mean, JT, he can't – 
I mean, you don't want him to scramble really because uh, he's so injury prone and he's had a lot of uh, lower body extremity injuries. Uh, yeah. So I think Setson probably does give you the better chance uh, because Alabama is going to be br- bringing pressure. And I don't think JT is really going to be able to evade the pressure and be uh, effective. Yeah, that's the only downfall for – I mean, I think JT would make a great, like, uh, great uh, QB who's throwing the ball 60 times a game, not yeah. having to run. Like, if he was somewhere at, like, Houston and didn't have to run, they just yeah. had a complete spread, like – Air raid uh, type. Air raid type offense, yeah, he'd be fine. Yeah. But you can't really do that when you're playing in the SEC against uh, defensive linemen who are just as fast as most quarterbacks. Yeah, so let's transition from our preseason Heisman uh, winner to our actual Heisman winner. That is my man, Bryce Young. I did not see him winning the Heisman this year. I did say, uh, I mean, throughout the year, I've had some worries with Bryce because he has some of the same problems as we've had in the past to uh, hanging on to the ball way too long. Um, You know, it gets frustrating, like that Auburn game. You sat there and just watched Bryce be patient and patient and patient, and the guy was just drowning out there. But you wouldn't have even known he was drowning because he wasn't flailing. He wasn't screaming for help. He was just quietly sinking and waiting for the right time to burst, and he waited till the last second, but we did it. So what frustrates me – with him is like he will not make the wrong decision as in he's not going to turn the ball over so he will gladly take three sacks in a row before throwing up a jump ball um but that's just my frustrations with Bryce overall to me he's been perfect uh throughout the season of course he's made some mistakes but he's not playing like a freshman he's playing like a four-year senior out there uh what are your takeaways from watching Bryce yeah, he's definitely playing way above his level right now. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying he's not talented enough to play the way he's playing, but the the calmness and the tranquility that he brings to the QB position for Alabama is just unbelievable. Like, I've I've sat there multiple times and watched him. Like, I'm like, okay, he's been he's about to get sacked, and his head yeah. has been downfield for eight seconds. And sure enough, he makes a pass. He may not even be looking at him. He may be looking over here on the the right side of the field, and he's got a streaker on the backside, and he's still going to hit him every time just because he's. He's calm. He's collected. He's patient. He's willing to wait that extra half a second just to see what happens. Oh, yeah. I, I think, honestly, he deserved it. I mean, there are a few other candidates I thought were uh, – they could have won it, but I think he was the most outstanding offensive player this year. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, I think uh, you hit all the right adjectives. The only one you left out was he's kind of a genius. Uh, pre-snap reads – He's great at it. Um, or he's just above like where he should be. He's advanced uh, AP classes for Bryce Young. Um, you speaking of, of uh, the Heisman, I think the second most deserving or the actual most deserving of it um, is Will Anderson. And I think that was more displayed after the Heisman was given out um, or in that SEC championship game. Uh People had Jordan Davis above him. People had Aiden Hutchinson above him, which are both great players and are going to be game changers. They're going to be playmakers in the next level. But, uh, I mean, those are the two guys right there, I think, that beat y'all the first time. And I think uh, because we have them, 
we'll be able to beat y'all a second time just by Bryce and Will alone. Speaking of Will, I had no clue that he's from my hometown. I didn't know he was from Stockbridge, Henry County. Uh, he went to Dutchtown from... High School. Oh, okay, well, um, all this everything says Hampton, which I guess is the same. It's five minutes, like here or there. Dutchtown's kind of in the middle of Stockbridge and Hampton. Oh, okay. So you, but you know the whole backstory of how he grew up a Georgia fan. Yeah, he wanted to go to UGA. Mm-hmm. And what happened, UGA didn't come knocking until uh, his senior year. And he said, forget y'all. Alabama's been recruiting me, you know, since my freshman year. Y'all are too late. Yeah. Well, how, how does that make you feel? I got to ask, like, how does that make you feel, man? Because, like, if I were a Georgia fan, I would be killing myself. Or, I mean, just thinking of you let Derrick Henry slip. You let um, Devontae Smith slip. You let Will Anderson Jr. slip. Like, what does that do to you? Um, like, yeah, it's kind of one of those things where, like, oh, damn, like, we could have had them. Like, just a little more effort. But at the same time, like, the majority of those positions, we've had, like, skill players there that were almost just as good, if not as good. Yeah. Like, linebacker, I've, n- I've never been upset that we've missed a linebacker. Like, N'Kobe Dean this season, Nolan Smith, the number one – Number one player in his class. He mm-hmm. might have been number two, number one defensive player. And then you go back to, like, Jarvis Jones, like, people like that. I'm not really worried about the linebacker position. Now, receiver position, yeah, Georgia's never never really had receivers. I mean, we had Muhammad Massaqua. We've had A.J. Green. We have George Pickens if he's able to stick around and be smart and be healthy. But, I mean, we recruit well enough now, but it – yeah. Tit for tat. Like it doesn't it doesn't bother me all that much. Some people it might, but for me, you know, I'm just that one player is not gonna make the entire difference. Maybe some of them will, but that one player for the most part. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. Like uh you're talking about two, three deserving Heisman winners right there. You let slip. I mean, Derek Henry is <laughs> bro, he is gonna change your team. Like uh Will Anderson's going to change your team. Devontae Smith's going to change your team. Like, I think Devontae Smith is the sole reason why we won the national championship last year because he bailed out, which Matt Jones played really good. I'm a big Matt Jones fan, but there were so many times we got bailed out by Devontae Smith. Uh, Just his route running when the play breaks down is incredible and his hands were incredible. So, like, you knew if a play broke down, F it, throw it to Devontae, he's going to catch it. But um, we'll move off that, though. what do you think – I want to know, like, has your opinion of this Georgia team changed, uh, you know, without in the past two, three games? Uh, yeah. So, like, at the end of the regular season, I was at the point in my Georgia fandom where I was like, I don't even have to say anything. Like, this is it. Like, yeah, this uh, – I'm confident. Like, don't even need to say nothing. Don't even need to talk no junk. We got this. And then sitting in the stadium watching the SEC championship, I'm kind of back on my like, man, Georgia is on its bullshit again. Like, mm-hmm. Georgia's never going to win it. Georgia's never going to do it. Like, if we can't do it this year, we'll never be able to do it. So I was down on the team. And then I watched the Michigan game, and that was a totally different team than I've seen all season. Mm-hmm. Like, even when they're undefeated, I hadn't seen them play this good. So now I'm, I feel good about what's going on. I guess over there in Athens, like what the team took to heart after that big loss. Yeah. I just feel like 
I mean, every every interview I see with all the players, like Nicobe Dean or Stetson, it's like we really took that one to heart, and the team has changed. And I believe it after watching that game. So I'm yeah. back on my like, okay, guys, you got this. All right. Well, I want to know, like, take me uh, through your experience at the SEC at the uh, SEC championship game in Atlanta. Um, I just want to know. I'm sure you sat in the Georgia section. Um, so, what what was uh, some of the opinions or fiery takes uh, from some of your fellow brethren out there? So uh, we did. We kind of sat like in the corner. So it was kind of it was maybe four or five sections away from the Alabama like split. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we started off with the tailgate, and uh, we we're out there catching nice pretty buzz, nice buzz on. And I'm excited because I'm like, okay, I'm going to carry this buzz into the stadium and get some beer. Well, they don't sell beer at the SEC championship. Really? I know Mercedes, Mercedes-Benz sells beer, yeah. but the SEC still, it's school by school if they're going to allow alcohol. Like uh, Tennessee sells alcohol. Yeah. Georgia sells alcohol, but it's only to the donors. So, uh, And I know Bama school does by school. Yeah. So I'm sure that was a big factor. So I'm starting to lose my buzz as soon as I hit the seat. <laughs> but uh, we go up 10 nothing, and there's this Georgia fan sit, or Alabama fan sitting in front of me. I'm, like, giving everyone around me high fives, and I tap on his shoulder and try to, like, genuinely give him a high five, and he just turns around and flicks me off. Well, about <laughs> as the game continues, I'm starting to lose, like, my win. Like, I'm sobering up. I'm almost getting dehydrated at this point. Things aren't looking good on the field. I think it was, what, the beginning of the third quarter? when they hit that big uh, slant uh, for the touchdown to Jamison. Yep. So, at that point, like, there was no wind in our sails. Like, I was just sitting there like, man, screw all this. Like, I'm glad I didn't pay for tickets because I'd be twice as angry if I did. That dude, after that touchdown, that dude turned around, tapped my knee, and tried to give me a high five. <laughs> and at that point, I was ready to swing on some Alabama fans. I'm but, I'm surprised you walked out of there without throwing one swing. <laughs> yeah, I was. Oh, I just I was like upset. It's probably a good I thing you depressed. got cut off by Mercedes yeah. Benz. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the main thing. Like honestly, I got to that point in my buzz where it was like kind of like hard to pay attention because like I needed something to keep fueling myself, but I couldn't like. I don't know. It's coming down off a high. Like you're just kind of like, oh, groggy, I guess. Yeah. Well, um, I, I do want to give y'all a shout out and I'm going to give y'all a little round of applause here. Um, I told this to Titus the last time we recorded. I believe that ne- that episode never got released uh, because I'm just lazy. Uh, but I gave a congratulations at the beginning of the pod to Georgia fans and to Auburn fans, you re- you released this. You oh, said oh, okay. uh, they switched positions on. Yeah, it. yeah. yeah. So I, I want to thank y'all. Y'all are no longer the most insufferable fans, in my opinion, out of all of college football. Auburn has taken the cake on that. And I asked Titus, "Will you just imagine? Close your eyes and imagine Auburn had Stetson Bennett, and they were going on the run that Georgia was currently going on uh, with that defense and everything." Good God, man. Like, we would never hear the end of it. And as Georgia fans were very excited for this year, as they were deservedly so, y'all were also optimistically cautious. Y'all have learned uh, throughout these past few years uh, or decades, really. And y'all are, like, traditionally, you know, every year is y'all's year. 
and y'all usually yeah. get way too overhyped and just let yourselves, you know, crumble. Um, but y'all done a very good job this year of, uh, you know, keeping your expectations at bay. So yeah. shout out. It's been, it's been hard. I'll tell you that much, but I just, yeah. I think there's a collective like understanding that this season has a potential to be special for us Georgia fans. And I think it's just, just let it be like, don't do anything like right now. I'm, I'm currently pissed off at, uh, old Chuck. Cause I don't know if you watched him on NBA the other day. No, I didn't, but, but they were doing their prediction and, uh, he guaranteed he used the G word that Georgia would win the national championship. Ooh. Even Maria Taylor was like, please don't pick like she's a UGA yeah. grad. She's like, please mm-hmm. don't pick. Like, I don't want you to pick Georgia, like pick Alabama, please. And he <laughs> came out there and hit, hit him with a guarantee. So I don't think there has been much guaranteeing on the Georgia side of things this year. No, no, no. There has it's just been. been an understanding. Like, yes, yes, yes. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just like, uh, I mean, I'm with y'all like uh, the Braves this year. Were we, were any of us like, oh, yes, we're going to win the World Series? No. I Absolutely. Mean, it not. was until that final out. Uh, I mean, we all finally like let our, let ourselves breathe because we just know like with Georgia sports, anything can happen. Um, speaking of predictions, um, I want to talk about Lee Corso and we're not going to give our predictions yet, but. One thing that would make me choose Georgia in this to win it is because our boy Lee Corso, our very close personal best friend who we've slightly met one time, didn't meet him, but heard him talk uh, before he completely lost his mind. Um, This may be his last year on college game day, and it's sad. It's a sad reality. He kind of needs to go, but we all love Lee Corso. College game day, the whole crew has done a great job. Uh, supporting him and letting him yeah, ride Kirk this especially. out. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think he, Kirk, he pretty much babysits him up there on which that sounds terrible, but like, no, no, he does. He does. Yeah. And uh, sometimes I, I get distracted watching Kirk when Lee Corso is talking, especially when Lee is having his bad days because, you know, some weekends, like he's just not there. Um, yeah. But, you know, but some Saturdays he is there and uh, it gets distracting though, watching Kirk on Lee's bad days. Because Kirk knows Lee is having a bad day. And it's kind of like just, uh, you know, a son watching his elderly father uh, slip into another dimension. But, uh, yeah, Corso at the beginning of the year predicted – he predicted this. He predicted it would be Alabama, Georgia. They would see each other in the SEC. Alabama would win the SEC. And Georgia would come back and beat them in the natty. So – this could be Lee Corso's ultimate farewell. It may be written in the stars that he perfectly predicted this. Does that give you any added hope? It does. It does. Like, I remember him saying all that, and I was just like, okay, as the season went along, I was like, there's no way we're going to lose to Alabama in the championship. Yeah. And then sure enough, we did. I was just like, this old man might be onto something. Like, he might be, like, leaving this world mentally, but gaining, like, an all new time high of like college, like football cognizant. And like, he's, he's speaking with the gods right now. Like they're speaking through him. Everyone thinks he's going crazy, but he's truly a prophet of the CFP. So did you ever watch, did you ever watch game of Thrones? I did. 
Yeah. So okay. uh, who is it? The Raven? What's that guy who Bran turns into? <laughs> Oh, uh, the third eye, third eye raven or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what course <laughs> Yeah, they're just going to have his him body a, begins to fail him. Exactly. They're just going to stick him at a tree <laughs> <laughs> and wheel that tree out every fall, every Saturday for uh, Lee Corso to speak from the third eye. Um, before we get into our predictions and wrap this thing up, uh, are there any other like topics or thing i mean we mainly talked about each other's offense do you have anything on george's defense they should do or uh, i don't know anything you just any takes you want to give no i just georgia has to get after them let's go around they didn't have any sacks hardly any pressures uh at the first matchup so which to alabama's credit their offensive line played i didn't think they could play that good yeah yeah and they put they played like out of their socks that game yeah. Um, but we have to get we have to get pressure. And I think it's gonna be Dan Lanning. This is gonna be his last game on the George sideline mm-hmm. before he leaves for Oregon. And I think he's just gonna I hope he's not distracted and I truly believe he's just gonna like throw the whole playbook at him. Like I think yeah. it's gonna be nonstop blitzing, like all different angles, different zone blitz, all sorts of like the pressure is gonna be on, and that's what yeah. needs to happen. I agree with you, and I think y'all are going to be a lot more successful at that pressure, and that's mainly due to uh, the mental edge or the mental battle because I think the reason why, like you said, Alabama, that offensive line completely shocked me, and that's because just a week before that, we looked like total dog doo-doo out there against Auburn, except for in the second half when we made personnel changes. Uh, You know, we did a lot better job protecting, but all that week leading up to it, was, oh, Alabama's going to get destroyed by this uh, Georgia front. You know, we just watched them get killed by this mediocre Auburn team. What do you think the best uh, defensive front in the country is going to do? And uh, so Alabama came out. They played great. Our protection was decent against Cincinnati. We struggled, but I have my whole theory about us. Like, we just – throw half the playbook at whoever our semifinal opponent is. Cause I feel like we don't want to, you know, give whoever we're going to play in the natty even more uh, film. And I think we kind of just do the bare minimum of what we got to do to beat that team uh, and just try not to get too cute with stuff. Um, but yeah, I think, I think y'all would be very successful in that. So it's, I think it's going to be another Bryce game. Like Bryce is going to have to beat y'all and we're not, and we're going to be without John Nechi which he's our sure-handed guy. Like, Jamison Williams is our huge playmaker. Uh, he'll beat you deep, um, or he'll turn a short route into a long uh, game. But he's not as sure-handed as John Mechie is. So uh, we're going to have to see other guys step up in that position as well. Um, so Caesars has George as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I think some sports books have them at a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, are you going to be betting on this game? No, I, I do better when I don't bet. Uh, I might have a side bet with, like, someone. Like, me and you could perhaps come with, come up with one. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was going to ask. We'll, we'll finish the pod with that. I wanted to ask you about a friendly wager. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm always, I'm always down with a friendly wager. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's interesting. I don't know if you saw that stat. Um, it's like there have been five times that top five teams have had a rematch during the season. And, like, every every time – the five times that it's happened, like, one time it's Florida State and Florida, something like that. But, anyway, every time it's happened, say Team A lost, 
the first go around. Yeah. Team A wind up winning by 21 points or more the second go around. So it's five for five. Oh, really? Yes. I so, saw that the other day and I thought that was super interesting. I don't know. I don't think that will be possibly it could be. Yeah. I don't think that's really what's going to happen here. But that's always like one of those things like, uh oh, it could happen. That's interesting because I have another five game stat for you uh, from this season alone. Uh, regular season opponents facing each other again in the conference championship. Um, I think it was conference championship because that's pretty much how you have to do it uh, in the uh, NCAA. But that's happened five times so far this year uh, where, you know, the same teams have played each other. And Team A, the winner, the first go around, they're three out of five this year. Um, they're, they're not a perfect five out of five, but which is weird to me because in my opinion, and you always hear in sports, it's hard, like it's hard to beat a team twice in the same season. Yeah. So I feel like Georgia has the mental edge on that. But I think mentally Alabama has a little bit of the edge because they are coming in underdogs once again. Uh, and Alabama is really good at making themselves feel disrespected, even though nobody disrespects them. Um, and I think if it's a close game, we have the mental edge on y'all. I don't know why or how, because I mean, both teams are old and young. There's a good mix in there. Alabama might be a slightly younger team than y'all, but, uh, I I don't know. It just feels like when, and y'all haven't been down really this year. So it kind of felt like when y'all went down against us and lost that 10 point lead, y'all kind of just like lost y'all's, you know, mental too. Yeah. I was going to say something. I can't remember. Um, oh, the rat poison. You were talking about like the – like everyone talking. Yeah. Saban uh, was talking all that rat poison at the SEC championship or before the whole week leading up to it. Mm-hmm. I think Georgia's going to have a positive effect with the rat poison this year. Because Georgia right now is a favorite, but I've heard more people like picking Alabama. Like yeah, everyone's going for – everyone's like, okay, Alabama's just going to win it again this season. Like they're going to win it back-to-back again. But I think – I don't think Georgia's buying into that, and I think that's what – the mental toughness or we're the mental side of things that's gonna be on George's favor or favor this year uh do you know what the line is for the over under I never looked that up uh I bet it's like uh it's probably like 53 and a half what are you taking over or under would you take over or under I take mm, I'd take the over over because I think the winning team's gonna have Say the over-under is like 58. I think the winning team's going to have 40. Okay. So that, that's only leaving like three more scores that need to be there. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely not betting this. Um, and I, because if I was betting this, I would be betting the over because I do not bet unders really. But uh, I'm taking the under because I think it's actually going to be more of a low-scoring game. I think both teams are going to be very successful. I was just giving like their off – each other's offenses hell. Um, I think it should be constant pressure. So I think it's going to be more difficult for both teams to move the ball. Yeah. Georgia's defense is definitely going to show up better to play. It's just going to matter. Be it like, is Alabama's offense going to be as hot as they were in the SEC championship? And is Georgia's offense even going to show up? Mm -hmm. It it may be one of those things that's going to come down to uh, turnovers and special teams. Yeah, that is true. Um, the over/under is uh fifty-one and a half. Ooh, fifty-one and a half. I'm taking the over on that. I'm still taking the under because I I'm I'm thinking like a twenty to 
13 game, like something like that. I don't know. I don't know. I was thinking like a 41, like almost the same score we just had. Yeah. Except reversed. I'm, th- I'm seeing like a 41 to like 20, 17. In Georgia's favor? I think so. So I think that's what uh, I'm in agreement with you that if Georgia wins, it's going to be a blowout. Because I think if it comes down to a close game, Alabama's going to have the edge. Um, yeah. But uh, so go ahead, Chris. Give your final prediction. What what's going down Monday night? Georgia's going to come out of the gate and completely shut down Alabama's offense for the second, third, second and third quarter for sure. They might score a touchdown in the first. That's fine. Then don't break. Game's not over yet. And then they might have a late score to try to bring it back into range. So, But I think they're going to have two quarters of scoreless defense out there, or offense, I guess you should say. But I think I think Georgia's going to come out the gate. Like, they're going to put everything behind them. This is the last game. Like, this is the game. It's a one-game season. Mm-hmm. Like, they're going to focus on everything in front of them. I think Todd Munkin's going to come out with a playbook similar to Michigan, like run the ball short, quick passes, and then hit them with the deep ball here and there. Um, and I think – I just think Georgia's defense is honestly going to break some necks this go-around. Like, Jordan Davis is upset after his performance. He's going to get in there. I believe I'll, – I'll, I would put money on this. I don't know what, like, the sacks are, a sideline or, like, a side bet is. But I'd say Georgia probably has five or six sacks. Bet. All right. Well, I'm going to say Alabama. I'm going to take them. Uh, even though I'm not totally confident in it, I think Bill, Bill O'Brien is going to come out and he's going to attack y'all's edges. Like first of first off, like I would not be surprised if we come out first drive, empty backfield shotgun, and we're just throwing wide receiver screens and dinks and dunks. And then we're lining up in a single back, uh, you know, tight formation and then just like running it up. I think Bill O'Brien is going to keep y'all on y'all's toes to where y'all aren't going to be able to bring the pressure like y'all want to. Um, but, I mean, we're, we're typically pretty good on, you know, first, second, third drives of a game when they're scripted. Uh, so I think that second, third quarter is going to be key. I just give Alabama the edge in the offense. I mean, I, I just think Alabama's offense is better than y'all's. And, two, oh, yeah. I did not mention this, but even though Georgia statistically has, like, overall the number one ranked defense in the nation, Alabama has the number two rushing defense in the nation this year. We shut down y'all's run game the first go-around. You mentioned earlier how the run – establishing the run game, and not only that, the play-action game is going to be really important. I think y'all are still just going to struggle with that, and it's not going to – give y'all enough, like, you know, firepower, breathing room, or Stetson enough uh, comfort out there. And I think he's going to have to do it all on his own. And I, I just don't think Stetson can do it on his own. <laughs> dude's, dude's still got a flip phone, so I believe in him. True. I believe True. in that. There, there is power behind a flip phone. All right. Well, how, how do you want to wager this? Are are you thinking money or um I'm thinking like just a straight public? up. Oh yeah, like I'm I don't think uh I don't like betting money between friends. Yeah. Cuz then one of us, not me obviously, but one of us will be upset. I have a uh proposition. Let's do it. I don't think you're going to be down for it. I'm down for it, but uh 
what if loser, say if Georgia wins, I will get a tiny tattoo on my butt that says Kirby's. Dude, I'll do it. I'll do it. So you'll get a tattoo on your butt that says Saban's. Yeah, my wife doesn't listen to the show, so. Bet. But we and the lights that. are always off, so. Bet. And so when we do it, though, we got to do it together, as in we'll go with each other to uh, the parlor or whatever, and we'll film it and make content out of it. I got you. Heck yeah, bro. Let's go. And then maybe, uh, I don't know, we can add to it, get a custom T-shirt, uh, and then it says, ask me who owns my butt. Uh, or <laughs> something like that. And then you got to walk around for a day with it. And every time somebody asks you like, oh, who owns your butt? You got to flash the little, oh, Saban, Saban does. Or Kirby yeah. does. I'm all about yeah. that. Let's go then. I'm excited for it. Me too. Uh, I, hope, I hope Georgia actually pulls it off this year. Yeah. And, hey, man, like uh, I think it's uh, more beautiful for you too because unlike you, like I don't have any tattoos. So that would be my first and only tattoo is having Kirby's uh, written on my butt. Hell yeah. Shoot, I mean, do you want to make it a, a, I don't know, it'd be a way more expensive tattoo. And I don't know if I want to go through the coloring and all that, but uh, if you wanted to put like the Pokemon Kirby on my butt, I'm okay with that too. <laughs> the Pokemon Kirby? Yeah. Do you know what that Pokemon looks like? Uh-uh. All right, I'll show you. <laughs> I've not seen that. I feel like you do because um, of Super Smash Bros. Wasn't he on S- Super Smash Bros? Oh, Kirby, the actual Pokemon. Oh, I thought you meant like someone had come up with like a Kirby, like po- Kirby smart Pokemon. Oh, no, no. Maybe like, uh, you know, do Kirby and put like a Georgia G on him or something like that. <laughs> you could, uh, I'm not opposed to that either. I'll do the little elephant head. Bet or I really want Nick Saban's face on you. <laughs> <laughs> I'd make uh, ESPN in a heartbeat with that. Oh yeah, with that. Uh, what's that? Um, I got it on my phone. We would have to get a really good tattoo artist to uh, do it. Where's that picture at? Oh yeah, <laughs> you know this iconic photo. Yeah, we. Yeah. Yeah, he's just like. It's hard to see. Yeah, that's what I would want on your butt. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll have to track down some uh, tattoo artists. Maybe they'll do it for free. Maybe. We reach out and be like, hey, we'll do a we promotional up, thing. Uh, Colton. I was literally thinking that. Yeah, maybe he'll uh, F with us and throw in a discount or something. And we'll give him nice. some uh, free exposure. I don't know. Yeah. I'll even All get right. his, uh, his logo tattooed on my other cheek. Bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe he'll do it for free if we just tell him to throw in a lo- his logo with it too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Monday night. What time does the game start? Eight eight thirty. Probably eight thirty. Only. And it's know. usually like nine o'clock. It seems like before they really kick it off. Yeah, um, dude. Tickets are cheap this year too. Have you noticed that? No, I haven't even I've, looked. I've been seeing tickets for like four or five hundred dollars on like Facebook pages. Really. Because, uh, apparently like all the hotels are booked out uh the mm. weather is supposed to be terrible all the flights already booked so right now if you want to go to the game now would be the time to go to the game bro like, just get make a little road game. trip up to indianapolis let's do it bro i would do that as like a day trip bro like i would drive too. up there and then just drive back I'm yeah i'd make work that. tuesday morning yeah 
I'll be down with that. How I'm far is the draw to up. Indianapolis? I know, it's straight up 75. It's like, what, eight hours? It's I'd probably say like, seven, seven hours. Mm. See, Louisville was an eight-hour drive for us, though, wasn't it? That was a lot, a lot of changing, though, I thought. And we were going through ice once we uh, hit Tennessee. Yeah. It might be like eight, nine hours. Yeah, I'm uh, It's almost it. nine hours. Nine hours? Yeah. You can you can make that and you can make that in eight. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Except for there will be snow though, so probably not. All right, we'll put some chains on them bad boys. Bet. Well, Monday night, man, our butts are on the line. UGA versus Alabama. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, and now I'm a lot more excited for this game now that our butts are on the line. Same here. Yeah. <laughs> Might wind up regretting this. And, uh, yeah, we'll probably try to do a uh, – I don't know. We'll see how we're in the mood for it, but maybe we'll do a follow-up pod next week um, to talk about the game if you're down for it. But Oh, yeah, we'll, of course. That will definitely be a wait to see. All right, man. Well, I'll let you go, but thank you to everyone for listening. Um you can send in tattoo ideas to to us. Hit us up on NTE Podcast on any of the socials. And if you have a tattoo idea, we'll take some. Be glad to consider them. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you as always, bro. Same here. As always, go dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Roll Tide. Uh, 